Oh, my God. 
Five minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nahum Siegel. Welcome to a Wednesday. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program. Er is doch der Meile, oh, ilom. Ay, wenn sie schwer, darf man glauben, wenn sie's geht, aber der Leuben, oh, wie niemals kein, er in sie geschreit. Ui, wei, tate, 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 wenn geht ne schöne Heim. I'm 
Should I in all the gas and give up? 
I bet in a minute, year, Kimo, Kimo, if dying Eleman has Ganze Herz, Tote, ihr Geld verdient, mein ganzes Herz. Wenn auf sie sie 
The second medley off of the brand new project Relax with Avram Fried and uh, Shulam Brot. Shulam Brot is the young voice you hear. Avram Fried is the experienced voice you hear. Uh, brand new project Relax for you here at JM in the AM. That's medley number two. We did medley number one earlier after Modani. Chazak with Sandy Shmueli. You heard Shlaimi Gertner with Enkel Okenu. Yitzchak Fuchs at Chatzot. And, of course, as I mentioned, uh, Regesh, Modani opening things up. And we say good morning. It's Wednesday on this May 27th, day four in the month of Sivan, the year 5780. Tough Shin Pei. Today is day number 48 in the counting of the Omer. That's six weeks and six days. If you forgot to count last night, make sure to do so sometime today. 61 degrees, 90.1% humidity. Winds are west. At 3 miles per hour, mostly cloudy with a high of 74. Then tonight, rain, low 62. Tomorrow, showers, high temperature, 70 degrees. 74 right now in Yerushalayim. We're at 61 in New York City as we say good morning at JM in the AM. 
23 minutes before 7 o'clock. This portion of NSN programming brought to you by our friends at A&H. Abel's and Hyman Kosher Hot Dog Sausage and Deli is the world's best, and they recommend you check out their new website, kosherdogs.net. Kosherdogs.net. Keep the dads and grads in mind when you order during the month of June, especially because you get a 10% discount with promo code radio. Kosherdogs.net, promo code Radio. Big day here today. Uh, the OU has a special program going on for Shavuos. We'll talk about that. Things are a bit different these days because Shavuos programs don't actually happen on Shavuos. <laughs> so we'll talk about that coming up. Stan Steinreich is going to join us from Steinreich Communications. Um, he'll, he'll discuss what it's like for the not-for-profit world during this time. As we get set to close in on a quarter of the year, completely shut down for not-for-profits and for many other organizations so we'll talk about that coming up and uh and plenty more as i like to say all here at jm and the am big wednesday lots happening on this wednesday coming up uh later on after uh, 9 a.m bite size of the oni pollock will feature some great jewish music wednesday's live lunch will be live from israel with avrami starting at 11 a.m eastern time Tonight, Charlie Bernhout with an hour of Jewish soul. Great cantorial music beginning at 7 p.m. here on the network. So like I always say, there's a lot of great things happening. And uh, you get to hear it all if you keep it on NSN all through the day. Udi Davidi is next. It's JM in the AM. Shenitas 
JM in the AM. It's Barry Weber with uh, Yachad to wrap up the hour here at JM in the AM. Ellie Schwabel had no Delacha. Lipa with Chassan Domelomelech. You heard Michal Przensky and Chaverim. Udi Davidi opened up that set with Joser El Habayit. You're listening to America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program heard on listener-sponsored digital radio. Around the world on the web at NachumSiegel.com and the NachumSiegel Network and, of course, on the beloved NSN app. Golly, it's all in the background. We'll do our news from Israel coming up. Those of you who live in Israel, remember, you can hear me later today at 107.6 FM, 107.6 FM, starting at 6 p.m. Israel time. Keep that in mind, and I thank you for that. Galitzal in the background, Galitzal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast for a Wednesday follows next. We say Boker Tov from JMNAM. גליצל מירושלים השעה שתיים, שלום רב, כאן רן יבנאי עם מה שקורה עכשיו. מאסר העולם נגזר על תושב לוד שרצח את אשתו לפני כשנתיים סמוך לביתה שבחיפה. עם הפרטים כתבנו בחיפה קובי מנדל. התרסה הוא הנעלם בן ה-38 רצח את אשתו סיפרש בחודש יוני 2018 בעת שהייתה בת 36. הוא ערב לה כשהיא חזרה מעבודתה ודקר אותה מספריו של פעמים ליד ביתה בקריית שמואל. בית המשפט המחוזי בחיפה קבע היום כי הוא יפצה את נפגעי העבירה בסכום המקסימלי הניתן בהליך פלילי בסך 258 אלף שקלים. לבני הזוג ארבעה ילדים, בני חמש עד שמונה עשרה. החלת הריבונות ביהודה ושומרון, גורמים בקואליציה טוענים, האמריקנים מקשיחים עמדות. מביאה את הפרטים כתבתנו המדינית מוריה אסרף וולברג. בעלי אולמות האירועים טוענים כי הם מופלים לעומת הברים והמסעדות, ואין סיבה לחכות עד אמצע יוני לפתיחתם. מעבר לאלפי העובדים שיישארו עד אז בחופשה ללא תשלום, חתונות שנקבעו לאולמות מבעוד מועד תיאלצנה להתקיים באופן פיראטי. כן, אנחנו מתנצלים על התקלה הזו. בית משפט השלום בירושלים קיבל את הסדר הטיעון שנחתם עם מג'ד עליאן, שהודה והורשע בהדחה לסמים של הנערה מרים פרץ, זיכרונה לברכה. במסגרת הסדר הטיעון גזר בית המשפט שנתיים מאסר בפועל על עליאן. יוסף פרץ, אחיה של מרים, תקף אצל אמיר איבגי את הסדר הטיעון. איך בן אדם, הוא עוד פרפרת, מזכיר אותה למות, ובורח, ואז בסוף, אחרי הכל, אחרי הכל, יושב שנתיים, זה פשוט גועל נפש, זה פשוט בושה וחרפה. שנתיים זה בן אדם, כאילו, זה, הבן אדם זה עוד אותו בחוץ. הוא משתחרר, זה יקרה עוד הפעם. יהיה עוד סיפור. תבין, משחררים רוצח לחופשי. זה מה שהם עושים. הם פשוט, זה גועל נפש, זה, זה, זה בושה של מדינה. נשיא המדינה ראובן ריבלין מגיב על החלטת בית המשפט מאתמול ולפיה מלכה לייפר, הנאשמת בעבירות פדופיליה בתלמידות באוסטרליה, כשירה נפשית לעמוד בהליך ההסגרה. ריבלין כתב בחשבון הטוויטר שלו כי שוחח עם ראש ממשלת אוסטרליה ואמר לו, ישראל לא תאפשר לאיש להשתמש במוסדותיה על מנת להימלט מהחוק. ידיעה שהעביר כתבנו לענייני משפט יובל הראל. אחרי תשע שנים ארצות הברית צפויה לשגר הערב שני אסטרונאוטים לחלל. כתבת חדשות החוץ, עמלי חביב פרגון. נאסא תשגר הערב משימה מאוישת ראשונה זה תשע שנים לתחנת החלל הבינלאומית בפלורידה. קפסולת החלל צוות דרקון מחברת ספייסקס של היזם אילון מאסק צפויה לשגר את הרקטה בשם פלקון 9 בשעה 11.30 בלילה שעון ישראל ובצמד האסטרונאוטים דג הרלי ובוב דנקן. עבור צוות המיזם טיסה בטוחה ומוצלחת תהווה ציון דרך בתהליך ייצור חלליות רב שימושיות להפיכת המסע מחוץ לכדור הארץ לנגיש. החזרה לשגרה, מהבוקר נפתחו המסעדות ובתי הקפה ברחבי הארץ. כתבתנו נוגה זק שמעה בליינים שחזרו לסעוד 
למרות החשש מנגיף קורונה. אנחנו עכשיו פה, סיימנו בית ספר, יושבים בסבתא, וואלה, אחלה דבר, זהו, נגמר קורונה. לא, שום דבר עדיין לא נגמר, אנחנו עדיין זהירים, אבל נהנים מהחיים. זה עצם החירות הזו, החופש הזה, זה, זה עושה כיף ללב. הקפה מאוד משמעותי בחיי, ואני נורא נורא שמחה. כן, מכאן למזג האוויר, ירידה ניכרת בטמפרטורות, בעיקר בערים ובפנים הארץ, זה יקרה מחר. אלה החדשות שעורך רועי ולד. Malé, 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 ani, malé, malé, ani, alejé. 
شام
JM and the AM. It's a brand new animated medley done on YouTube by uh, Micha Gabber, excuse me, by Micha Gammerman called the Tfilot Shabbat medley. Uh, just debuted uh, Sunday, I believe. And there it is for you on uh, JM in the AM. Before that, you heard the uh, Benny Freeman selection, Mala Ani. 18 minutes after 7 o'clock on this Wednesday, 27th of May, 4th of Nissan, day 48 in the counting of the Omer, day number 48. Art Scroll reminds you that uh, the Panay Menachem is now available. Stories and lessons of Torah leadership, compassion, and empathy from the life of Pinchas Menachem Alter of Ger. Uh, you can um, go to the website and order it, plus get a 15% discount with promo code RADIO. Promo code RADIO, 15% discount. Go to artscroll.com, artscroll.com. And remember that this portion of NSN programming is brought to you by our friends at A&H. Abel's and Hyman Kosher Hot Dog Sausage and Deli is the world's best. Their brand-new website is kosherdogs.net, kosherdogs.net. And uh, you get a 10% discount on the site if you use the promo code RADIO, kosherdogs.net. Keep the dads and grads in mind for the month of June when you order from kosherdogs.net with promo code RADIO. Mordechai Ben David next. It's JM in the AM.
All right, JM in the AM, Wednesday morning, day 48 in the counting of the Omer. 48 is the day. Six weeks and six days. If you forgot to count last night, make sure to do so sometime today. Uh, Ufros, you know who that is. Shlomo Katz, of course. He's part of the big June 1st concert this coming Monday, 1 p.m. Eastern time, on behalf of the Solomon family to rebuild their home in uh, Moshav Mavomodiin. It's an unbelievable lineup, by the way. Shlomo Katz, Zusha, Eitan Katz, Soul Farm, Moshav Band, the Solomon Brothers, all together, 1 o'clock. I'm one of the hosts. I'm looking forward to it. It'll be online. And it should be pretty amazing and incredible. This coming Monday, we're looking forward to it. I'm actually doing it from this studio. Yeah. <laughs> from this studio. Looking forward to it. It should be very, very cool. Uh, Rabbi David Goldwasser's words, Zechanishmas Harav Zebenrios of Alevi, and Zechanishmas Esther Basrios of Alevi. Here is Rabbi David Goldwasser with Morning Chizuk. Good morning. We learn in Tehillim, Shalom Rav Loave Sorasecha, Ve'en Lomo Michshol. Great peace is to those that love Torah, Ve'en Lomo Michshol, and that person will not stumble. We find a very interesting psak in the Shulchan Aruch. The Code of the Jewish Laws tells us in the name of the Rajba that it is allowed to ask a person how they are while the individual is in the middle of Krishna, even though you know that the person will have to return your greeting. And of course, we are not allowed to be mafsik, to interrupt during Krishna. The reason is the Pasuk says, Yitain shalom zelozeh, a person should give greetings one to the next because we want to instill love in each other. Even if the person is reading Krishna, why? Because a person may say, if I interrupt the individual during the Shema, it's I'm putting a stumbling block in the path of my friend. However, for such a lofty ideal as peace, for a lofty ideal as creating shalom between us, it is so great that when a person is at peace, when an individual learns Torah, so at that point, we learn that Hashem will consider it as though the person has created peace. And that is the meaning of the Pasuk. Shalom Rav Lo In the schus of a person's Torah, in the merit of their learning, Hashem Yisparach will create a reboy of Shalom, an abundance of peace. Once there is an abundance of peace, the Yitzhahara is greatly weakened. One of those things that we are told during these times to be especially careful in is not to speak bad about our neighbors and friends, to be careful in Loshon Hara and Rechilus. The great Goin Rav Chaim Kanievsky Shlita told everybody, don't forget what caused people in early times to go into isolation, to be Chutzlamachaneh, we should all realize that the great abundance of peace that we create by being at peace with our friends and neighbors, by always creating a Kiddush Hashem, is the most dear to Hashem Yisparach. As it says, Godol HaShalom, great is peace. May all of us have an abundance of peace in our lives. May we have bracha v'atzlacha, blessing and success in all that we do. This has been Rabbi David Goldwasser bringing you Morning Chizik. Have a nice day.
That's Ohad, of course, Wednesday morning on day 48 in the counting of the Omer, six weeks and six days. Forgot to count last night. Make sure to do so sometime today. And boy, oh boy, if you remembered to count last night, then uh, you're probably on a really good streak, I would bet. Because the uh, last day, believe it or not, the last day or last night, I should say, of counting the Omer is tonight. Believe it or not. So I hope everybody out there had a good Omer experience with remembering to count each and every day. Uh, also, when we say day 48, one thing is obvious, and that is that um, 
and that is that we're very, very close to the holiday of Shavuos. And you know what Shavuos usually means. Uh, usually there are countless, thank God, countless uh, programs internationally, countless things that are done on Shavuos. Typically, people would be staying up a good part of the night or all night this coming Thursday night. Many, by the way, and I was not even familiar with this until a couple of years ago, many actually stay up both nights, uh, which is becoming more of a trend, believe it or not. Um, so, because of COVID-19, we're in a different world. We have a different and completely strange set of circumstances. So the question is, how do we address this? So now, most of the all-night or long-term Shavuos programs are happening before Shavuos. The Orthodox Union's Department of Torah Initiatives has created Sinai at Home to empower learning in the home. The platform host will is hosting learning material and accompanying explanatory video organized by categories like Tanakh, Musr, Gomorrah, etc., Site visitors are able to add shiurim to their cart, quote-unquote, which allows them to print all the PDFs in one packet. It's an amazing service. And with us live via telephone is Rabbi David Pardo, who is Managing Director of Torah Torah Initiatives at the Orthodox Union. Rabbi Pardo, welcome back to JM in the AM. Morning. How you doing? Baruch Hashem. I got to give you guys credit. This, uh, This situation has called for creativity, and the OU has only been creative over the last couple of months. Tell me about the uh, the idea that came up for Sinai at Home. Sure. I mean, I, I really think that's uh, the silver lining in all of this. Is that It's crazy. It's terrible. It's really forced the best out of us and the most creative ideas and responses. I think you, I think you summed it up. We, uh, we always try to do something on Shavuos. Um, everybody, uh, everybody goes to shul. Everybody goes to learning programs. I remember my own days in NCSY, uh, staying up all night Shavuos. I do not remember staying up two nights in a row, though. <laughs> <laughs> my God, have I you, don't think there's enough coffee in have, the world. Have you at least heard of that, that some people do it? No, I'll tell you <laughs> I, what I used to do when I was uh, younger and, and stupider. I would stay <laughs> up all night, and then um, I had a Chavrusa, who was a, a YBT guy, um, uh, of Chait, and he was he woke up and stayed up till noon. So then I would learn with him till noon. Oh my that, gosh! Well, no, because all the all the nighttime stuff is like between us. There's like a lot of chit chat. There's a lot of uh, you know drinking bad coffee and eating eclairs <laughs> and you know you know moving around. And I was like, okay, everyone's asleep now. <laughs> now I can actually learn. If we were if we weren't in a serious discussion, I would give you a uh, my review of the last few years of what Shavuos night is like. But you're right. <laughs> maybe we could maybe we could do that the next segment. <laughs> I think it'd be worth it. Maybe maybe an Adar actually would be a better way, a better time to do it. <laughs> I'll come back on and interview you, and you now tell you us about it. your your breakdown. So so we we knew we knew that all these programs are gone and what are people going to do Shavuos night? And thank God, thank God, there's a lot going on this week. There's a lot going on online and that's the, you know, the zoom and YouTube is the name of the game, but that's not going to help you Shavuos night. So that's, that was the, that was the problem. And we figured we're going to reach out to the same people that we would normally ask to give a share, the kind of, the kind of people that um, our people are flocking uh, to hear them. Um, you know, the, the Rav Rimons, the Rabbi Ganax, the Rabbi Weitzman, the Rav Lopiansky's, uh, and ask those people 
Rabbi Rosner asks those people, would you give us a shear that we can give to people that they can learn on their own? So as if they were showing up to your, to your shear, they're going to get the same Makor sheet, but also give them a video explaining to them how to use the Makor sheet. So don't give them the full shear. Ah. No one's going to sit through the shear during the week and then again Shavuot night <laughs> recreate right. the shear. Just as if you're giving me the Makor sheet and you tell me, okay, yeah, the first one is a first Makor is an introduction, the second and third are in Machlokas with each other, the fourth explains the Chakir, etc. So sort of like sort of like an outline, resolution. sort of like an outline of the shear. Yeah, give me yeah. give me an outline and then and then I'll I, I'll be able to add that to cart. So to right. speak, add that to packet, and in the end, you'll make a packet with anywhere from one to seventy <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, sheets in it, right. independent sheets. And some of the sheets, you know, people went above and beyond, and they stuck the questions in, and they stuck the uh, the translations and the guiding questions and the and the answers to the questions maybe in the sheet itself. So you have a wealth of resources that will recreate the experience of Shavuos night. You'll have to bring your own bad coffee and your own eclairs. I was going to ask but. you, you know, what about the uh, what about the big fight about whether the uh, about whether the um, the place where the all night learning is taking place serves dairy ice cream or parv ice cream? What about the cheese danish from Ipardo? What about the sushi bar for those shuls? We're, that, we're setting that... up a carving station in my house. So. <laughs> oh, actually, this is finally the realization of our dream. At midnight on Thursday night in our home, we can actually set up a nice challenge and cookle station. That's a great idea. There we go. So, so there's all... a lot of Lining. So all of us who've complained that our synagogues don't do enough Shavuos night when it comes to Gashmius, now we can make up for it. <laughs> let's, That's what it is. Crisis our, is the mother of invention. Yeah, put our money where our mouths are, and let's see if we're actually going to do that after all Literally. this. I, I got to tell you, Rabbi David Pardo is with us talking about the OU uh, Sinai at home, OU.org slash Sinai. Everybody should go to the site. And I know we've been recommending a lot of stuff, including what Rabbi Pardo alluded to, all the Zoom Shurim and 24 Hours of Torah and things that are going on. But that's all happening before Shavuos. This gives you an amazing opportunity to have all these things in front of you on Shavuos itself, even during COVID. Go to OU.org slash Sinai. And Rabbi Pardo, what's most impressive and I know that there are a lot of organizations that can claim this, but I don't know if anybody can claim it to the degree that the OU can. What's most impressive is your lineup. I mean, my gosh, you have, you know, a- a- anybody who's ever dreamt of, I want to hear a sheer from this person, uh, you know, bo- both male Rebbe and female educator, uh, they're on this list. I mean, you have an absolute all-star lineup that's just, uh, you know, that's just waiting for everybody who goes to the site. Yeah, and I got to tell you, I mean, uh, one of my... <laughs> Someone on the list called me last night. He said, I didn't realize I was going to be on this list. So this is ridiculous. <laughs> like, no, no, you're I, great. Oh, meaning they thought they didn't deserve to be there? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, this is a, I, I can't be on it. With such and such and so and so, and it's hard to name names. Well, tell them, tell them if they're not an all star, at the minimum they should be in the home run derby. So they, they shouldn't be upset. <laughs> they definitely belong in there somewhere. Yeah, but I tell you that one of the nicest things, and you know, you're right. We 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 often this is this is our list. This is the people we reach out to. These are the people we bring to Torah New York and Torah LA and Torah yep. Shalim. Yep. Um, but what was so cool for me was uh, a lot of these people after uh, handing it, making their McCore sheet, handing it in, making the video, and after all was said and done, thanked me because this pushed them to think about shavuos in a different way and i think you know going back to the theme of crisis being a mother of invention yep. if this works it's a big gamble we're giving people 
um, we're not giving people a share. We're giving people the ability to learn. Right. If this works, this could be an amazing model. Right. This I'll... is like. A lot it's of pe- turning the volume up on sitting and reading an article. This is sitting and learning. And, right, and it's, a lot of people are probably qu- a lot of people are probably questioning whether they're even able to do this. They probably think they need to actually hear the shear. This is going to give confidence to a lot of people that look they were able to actually learn the shear just by being provided an outline. And listen, if, if if that happens, that's a real home run. Yeah. That's the purpose of the Torah Initiatives Department. It's why the OU is investing in Torah. It's because we want. Orthodox adults in North America to view Torah learning as a lifelong endeavor. It's not a K through 12. It's not for kids in Shana Bar. It's, it's it's yours forever. And we want to increase quantity and quality and access to Torah. And if we could do that by convincing people that they can they can learn on their own, they, cre- they can create a proper Gishmak learning experience in their homes with their families. Amazing. Sometime today or tomorrow, everybody, make sure, no matter where you are around the world, make sure to go to the site and do your download. It literally will take minutes to decide what you want, and then you'll have the whole packet printed out. It's ou.org slash Sinai, ou.org slash Sinai. And, and while it is wrong for me to start listing names, because it will be it will be endless in all seriousness, some of the names I think are obvious to people because of some of the Torah giants the OU is associated with. Uh, but it would be wrong for me to start listing all those names for that reason. I do want to mention that there is a section on the site, on the page. It's only one page. It's not like it's complicated to, to navigate this. There's a section for YU Torah to go with five shurim from them. There's a section from the Shaviti Learning Program. Uh, the Tzorba Mirabanan has the uh, coronavirus perspectives halakhically, which you may want to read up on and learn about uh, during this uh, uh, time. Of course, the Pardes Project is up there. The Home Base, which gives everyone, by the way, booklets, right? Those are actual, there's actually a Shavuos booklet under that title that people can can download, right? Yeah, there's a, a whole story uh, in the UK. Uh, there's a pro- project called The Base, and because they're at home, so the, some some guys started a spinoff, uh, a separate program called Home Base, and uh, these these booklets were flying around in some of the rabbi WhatsApp groups I'm in. So I reached out. I said, "Listen, we're <laughs> we're we want to platform yeah. amazing material." So we have, yeah. In addition to, in addition to the rabbis, rabbis, and scholars, um, we've we've also reached out and done uh, collaborations with different organizations. So these uh, these shifting materials are are incredible. They're thick, and you you know normally to get them you have to pay or you have to be part of a shifty group. Um, so that's a really really great opportunity. The Hawaii Tortugos are are are, tortug- are the Tortugos we you know that they picked out for us that have McCore sheets built in. It is a learning experience. The same thing with the Turba. Um, Pardes was an OU project a good 20 years ago under the auspices right. of Rabbi Yaakov Haber. Right. They were incredible. I don't know if you if you remember them. I certainly do. I certainly do. So that, uh, they, we, we, we sent out these booklets to hundreds of, of uh, learning groups. People set up learning groups of, you know, like a dozen couples or, or whatnot um, in homes on college campuses, and it engender these conversations about Torah that were, were deep and meaningful and, and people could jump in. You didn't need the years of yeshiva to be able to participate in um, incredible conversations. That what, So we, we picked up five of the most popular, brought it back. Amazing. Uh, also, people should keep in mind that around the world, some people will be at Minyan this coming Thursday and Friday. Excuse me, this coming Friday and Shabbos for the Chag. Other people will not because we know the OU's guidelines have not, those who are adhering to them, uh, are not allowing for shuls to open until the following week. And therefore, a lot of families are frustrated that what's happening in a typical Shabbos and shul 
is not being uh, studied or heard or even being uh, even family members are not being made aware of. With that in mind, on this site, ou.org slash Sinai, there's plenty about Parshas Yisro and Matan Torah, which is, of course, the laning on Friday. There's plenty about Megillat Rut, which, of course, we lane here outside of Israel on Shabbos. And there, this will give an opportunity to people who are home and are not leaving their home for the holiday of Shavuos to bring some of that synagogue experience uh, to their Yuntif table. We should mention that as well. So you really have every... Every base covered here, and I hope people, I hope everyone who's listening to my voice right now goes to the site. You're going to see how easy it is to set yourselves up for really an incredible shvuas, whether you do it Dafka Thursday night or do it at all, uh, or do it in general during the two days of the holiday. Uh, you'll have an amazing opportunity to do it uh, with the OU. Go to OU.org slash Sinai, OU.org slash Sinai. Rabbi Pardo, anything else you'd like to add on this initiative? Oh, my gosh, there's so much. Uh, just You got me thinking about sure We actually have... Uh, only two. I wish there were more, but we have a uh, we have two shiurim in a tefillah section, um, which I think if we uh, do this uh, again, I would love to add more to because we as a community could stand to focus more on tefillah. Right. I know I'm a big fidgeter. <laughs> um, it's a, a perfect arena to focus your uh, to cross your intellectual and emotional chords. Uh, it's it's been such a, a an exciting pleasure to be working on this. It's already you know, we have two days left, and tens of thousands of people have uh, have come to the site, have perused, have been on downloading. Uh, that's it's just a, a really um, exciting number, uh, and and the project to see how it plays out we won't be able to actually be there and take pictures of people learning. So <laughs> the feedback is going to be a little bit indirect, but I'm excited to see how this uh, impacts people's Shavuot experience. Look, it's brilliant because, like you said at the beginning, you know, and and not not at all putting down, only praising those who've done it so far. There are a lot of pre-shavuos learning nights and twenty-four-hour uh, periods that people are taking in order to uh, to spread Torah, and and it's been an amazing adjustment for this year. But you figured out a really good way uh, to make people um, or to help people uh, study on shavuos night or any time during the chag on their own, which is amazing. Uh, I thank I thank you very much, and again, I recommend to everybody to go to ou.org slash Sinai, ou.org slash Sinai, and Rabbi Pardo, I take this opportunity to wish you a Chag Sameach. Chag Sameach, it's always a pleasure. Rabbi David Pardo is Managing Director of Torah Initiatives at the OU, and it's an understatement when he says that the OU is dedicated to spreading Torah, what they've done over the last few years in that department is absolutely amazing, um, really on the shoulders of giants who uh, have been doing it for decades there. Incredible, incredible work. JM in the AM. Uh, we continue with more. This one is a um, this one is a selection from Lave Tahar at JM in the AM.
J.M. and the A.M. Kishoshana, that's uh, Avramel, Avram Freed, of course. Uh, before that, Leif Tahar with Meheira. Congratulations, Avramel, Avram Freed. We played it earlier, his brand new project, Relax, with Avram Freed. And um, what was the young man's name? Sholem Brot is featured on there as well, Sholem Brot. Uh, I asked Avramel when we can get him on and discuss the brand new album, and uh, hopefully it'll be soon. Bezrat Hashem. Maybe through Zoom. Maybe Zoom soon. Day 48 in the counting of the Omer. You heard Leif Tahar with Mehera. Two minutes after 8 o'clock, and this is America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program. Heard on listener-sponsored digital radio. Around the world on the web at NahumSiegel.com, on the NahumSiegel Network, and of course on the beloved NSN app. Well, my good friend Shim Kramer uh, sent me a brand new track from a young singer whose name is Rafi Posner. Rafi Posner is the name of this uh, young gentleman. And he has a song entitled B'Shem Hashem. We get to do the world debut, I believe, of any radio station effort or uh, avenue anywhere. <laughs> so thanks to Shim Kramer. Congratulations to Rafi Posner. Song is called B'Shem Hashem, and you're listening to the best place for brand new Jewish music, JM in the AM, at the Nahum Siegel Network.
J.M. in the A.M. It's a brand new Maishi Tischler. Before that, you heard brand new Rafi Posner. First time ever, by the way. I want to thank Shim Kramer. He made us aware of the uh, young potential superstar. 
Rafi Posner with B'Shem Hashem to open up the 8 o'clock hour. JMNAM Wednesday, day 48 in the counting of the Omer. Well, do you run or are you part of the staff of a not-for-profit organization? Not-for-profits, Jewish not-for-profits, large and small, are um, trying to navigate through the current COVID-19 crisis. Remember, this is now week 11 or 12, depending on where you are around the world, etc., so we're talking about a quarter of a year. We're talking about many organizations, probably the ones outside of you know directly helping a poor and those who are hungry. A lot of organizations that are um, you know on pause for about a quarter of a year and now getting restarted like businesses are. So the question is, how do you approach all this? How do you communicate your message? How do you how do you maintain donors and uh, continue reminding people around the world how important your mission is? Stan Steinreich, who has been an amazing friend and a great advisor, and frankly, through Steinreich Communications, he and his staff have been uh, so helpful to us over the last few years here at the Nahum Siegel Network. He's with us live via telephone. He's been advising many of the large and small Jewish not-for-profits on their messaging amid this COVID-19 and about the importance of crystallizing their communication strategies more so than ever before. Stan Steinreich, a pleasure to welcome you back to JM in the AM. Thank you, Nachum. It's great being here. It must be a um, it must be a mixed bag. As I mentioned in my intro, there are some organizations and not-for-profits that are literally um, uh, helping those in tremendous need from the first day of COVID-19, and I would guess their fundraising and messaging approach is one thing. But other not-for-profits that people may have you know, put by the put by the side for a few moments uh, or a few weeks during this crisis that are going through a much different type of atmosphere. Is that the way you would describe it? Sure. I think there's an incredible dichotomy between what I'm going to call the innovators who are reimagining their organization um, and those that were waiting for, you know, not to politicize it, a V-shaped recovery, right. which probably is not going to take place. Uh, and those are two very separate uh, philosophies, um, both of whom, by the way, have special needs in terms of how they're going to uh, present their case and modify their programs for the future. Um, <laughs> the, 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 how do I put this? The expectation that certain organizations have that their donors and their and and those for and those to whom they are always communicating their message will be there for them after this crisis. That's something they should not take for granted, right? One hundred percent. If we if we just look at the statistics, right, and let's remember that the Jewish community uh, has been affected uh, by and large, like everyone else, thirty six million unemployed in America. Uh, you know, 1.6, 1.7 million, uh, you know, total cases, and multiply each of those individual numbers, let's say, at least by 10, because we have brothers, sisters, mothers, fathers, children, etc., right. in our families. So the impact of this is, is severe. And to think that uh, either a high net worth uh, giver, you know, or just an average donor, that they've not been affected by this, um, you know, is, is something of concern, um, you know, if that's indeed what an organization believes. And I just want to add one other thing. You know, let's remember, too, that we're just on the cusp now of one of kind of the two-and-a-half key giving seasons uh, in the Jewish world, right? Mm-hmm. Typically, we'll see an uptick uh, before the Yom Tovim, 
in the fall. Um, we'll see certainly one before Pesach. Uh, and there's a slight, uh, particularly on the on the high net worth individuals, a little bit of an uptick towards the end of the year right. uh, around tax season. And we just don't know if one can rely on those expected periods of time to be as productive or as generous as they usually are. Right. But I do think in our community, and I think we see this every single day, that our community responds to need. Now, I think, you know, that's a good segue into how an organization really needs to focus on and and tell the story of what their purpose is, number one. Secondly, how they tangibly, uh, and and I'll emphasize the word tangibly, uh, change and affect people's lives. Um, And then the third point is that I'm going to make is there's got to be a sell message. Now, Sometimes that word sell, you know, it's, it's a little bit of a dirty word um, because many of us don't want to be salespeople. But I, I can't tell you how many times I see material from not-for-profits that will talk about great programs, great services, but they don't really tell the prospect what they need, okay? Um, they don't, they're not focused quite clearly on that. I think that's going to be critical in this current environment. You know, if, if you need a van to take people to medical appointments, you got to tell people you need a van. And you would um, say that, and, and other times you wouldn't stress that as much? In other words, you're saying this is really COVID-specific, that one really has to outline the needs, and, and you might have a more general message at a different at a different time? Well, look, I, I think that also, you know, there's, there, there's very little going back. You know, if we look at how, how COVID has impacted our society, right, I mean, who, who would have thought that, you know, learning, uh, online learning, for example. I mean, you just had Rabbi Pardo on from the OU. Right. Who would have thought that online learning would have surged into the thousands, right? Um, you know, I don't know that we're going back from that. You know, my shul did a, did, a, did a membership meeting last week. Usually they have to struggle to get a quorum, and, I mean, it's a big shul, right? They had, I think it was over 200 families, so roughly 60 70% of members joined via Zoom. So I think that we're going to see changes uh, even within our community as a result of this. And I think one of them, at least in the short term, is going to be that givers who used to give into larger funds are going to be a little bit more skeptical about doing that. I think we're going to see much more focused giving. So, look, not every organization uh, can, nor should they, you know, one size doesn't fit all. So not every organization should necessarily be as granular, right, as to say that, we need, uh, you know, we need a van or we need a specific food package. Right. But they have to think in those terms because that's what people are going to respond to right now. Uh, Stan Steinreich is with us, CEO of Steinreich Communications, talking about messaging and uh, the, the world of Jewish not-for-profits during COVID-19. Were you surprised by anybody uh, outside of the food and feeding the poor organizations that have done well or have been able to maintain their organizations relatively well during this period of time? Look, uh, you know, again, I'm going to I'm going to sort of go back to the uh, to, to the OU. Uh, if you think about it, it was a point to point service provider. You know, right. when you when you look look at the success of NCSY, uh, when you look at the success of Yahad, and even their learning programs, right? Torah New York, it was an in person event. I think when you look at there, you know, that the transition to Zoom learning, um, when you look at again, many schools have done this as well. Um, you know, this has been phenomenal. And in many ways, I mean, look, you know, if you take a, 
if you want to take a positive out of a negative, and, and, and Lord knows this has been a you know very, very tough time, um, I think that uh, we're seeing, okay, new opportunities as a result of this. question is going to be how organizations sustain and use that going forward. Um, but I think, you know, uh, in, we're going we're gonna to learn a lot of things from this crisis. Uh, organizations are going to make modifications. They're going to reimagine themselves. Uh, and, and I do think that there's tremendous opportunity, okay, uh, as, as we approach, as we're on the other side of the mountain. But I think we have to be very, very careful how we plan and create the strategies and use all our tools because it's going to be different uh, than it was before. Right. Um, for a lot of people, the funds are still out there. Uh, but they may handle, meaning personal, not uh, organizational funds, but they may handle it differently than they have in the past. They may be either more selective or, or frankly, pivot and switch their focus when it comes to what they want to support, when it comes to what's meaningful to them after this period of time. One hundred percent. And that's why I think, again, you know, this focus on purpose, um, this focus right. on organizations telling stories about how they're, uh, you know, how they've affected and how they've changed – you know, and, and look, to segue into that, what I'm also going to tell you is I think there, there are two important components of this. Number one is, you know, um, the same way that we've said to people support our restaurants, okay, and support our local Jewish businesses. Um, you know, what we're telling clients is it's now time to look at the Anglo-Jewish media and the Jewish media in America. Um, those community weeklies, station, uh, you know, stations like yourself – um, they're critical. And the second part of that is they precisely reach the audience of people who are going to respond. So if you're going to tell your story, you know, um, the Nachum Siegel Network, uh, you know, as is the host of great Jewish community papers around the country, that's a place they should be focused on. That's number one. Secondly is social media. Um, you know, unlike a flyer that people send direct mail, um, social media is a way to show today through video, um, again, through a strategy with social media, but video, uh, images, et cetera, you can show what that real need is. You can show how you're really helping people. So, again, I think there should be an adjustment in terms of how organizations tell their stories, but there's a tremendous opportunity for them. Stan Steinreich is with us. Um, Stan, myth or fact? that organizations that rely more on small donations for many are going to survive better through this than those that rely on a small number of donors for larger donations? So I think that the high net worth donor, the big giver, is still critical for many organizations. Right. Um, and, and I think that, uh, by and large, look, those people have been affected like anyone else, but probably are in a somewhat better position to weather the storm. And I would also say that, you know, they have a greater obligation at the end of the day <clears throat> to step forward in, in a time of need. Right. Now, that said, we should never discount the small donor, okay, and we should never stop appealing to that because that, that grassroots donor accomplishes many things, and it's very, very important for that uh, even smaller donor to feel engaged uh, in our community and in the process. So, no, don't ever look down you know, your nose at, uh, at any donation, for that matter. They're all meaningful. You know what's interesting? I think that might be actually a very uh, a good approach for a lot of Jewish organizations right now, and that is strategically 
Um, they have to strengthen both. They have to strengthen the larger donors, as you just described. And, of course, they always want to strengthen uh, the, the foundation of the small donations. They'd rather have 2,000 small donors than 1,000 small donors. With that in mind, it may be a, an effective strategy that one should sit down with their staff and say, okay, how can we be more appealing and bring in a couple of large donors? And how can we be more appealing and broaden our base, I don't know, through creating a youth leadership program or through creating literally a small uh, you know, donor segment um, to get another thousand people to be, you know, partners with us in this, and that may be a good way to encourage one staff to rebound from this and not think that, God forbid, the organization has to close tomorrow. Yeah, well, let's also remember that it's, you know, because of uh, the internet and electronic or digital giving, right. uh, it's now much easier than ever. Okay, you know, uh, look, this morning, um, I, you know, I, I woke up to three or four emails from an organization that was sell- selling. Uh, or providing, I should say, uh, you know, food baskets, right. okay, to people in need for a relatively small amount of money. Now, in the old days, you would have had to have planned that program months in advance, gone to a direct mailing house to send out a direct mailing piece. You know, today, within a few days, okay, you can acquire a digital list. You can shoot out an email through a constant contact or MailChimp. You can even know who opened that email, right? But it, it's just so easy today to get a credit card payment for a small amount of money and engage, you know, possibly thousands of new donors. Right. And and that's an that's an exciting opportunity for organizations today. And remember, there are a million stories about people who started as an eighteen dollar donor who became eighteen hundred or eighteen thousand dollar donors later on, which is always an an important message to remember. One one hundred percent, Malcolm. Stan Steinreich, anybody who wants information about the work that the Steinreich uh, uh, Communications Group does, uh, it's SCOMPR, letter S for Steinreich, SCOMPR.com, SCOMPR.com. Stan, anything else you'd like to add on all this? No, listen, uh, you know, th- thank you very, very much. Thank you for all that, uh, that you, uh, you know, Miriam, Yoni, your entire staff do. Uh, it's incredibly important now uh, for our community to keep us uh, informed and keep us together, and you're one of the places uh, that we go for that. I appreciate that very much. And to you and your family and staff, a chag sameach, and mazal tov on Josh's engagement. <laughs> thank you very, very much. Stan Steinreich, Steinreich Communications, scompr.com. Uh, that's the important thing, everybody. What's the message now when you're a Jewish not-for-profit? What is the message now that we're coming out of COVID? How do you reach the people with that message? And I like what Stan said. I mean, I like a lot of things what Stan said, but this, this uh, issue that he brought up about thinking of what specific item or specific need the organization has, that can really speak and go straight to the heart of certain donors. It's a very, very good idea. Um, and we encourage those organizations doing good things to reach out to people like that. Yeah, we support the organizations that do good things. Those are our favorites. Day 48 in the Counting of the Omer on this Wednesday morning broadcast, JM in the AM. Tomorrow, our Erev Yom Tov show. Uh, there won't be any programming on Friday or Shabbos, as you would suspect. <laughs> uh, but our Erev Yom Tov show tomorrow will feature Rabbi Yudin. He'll be with us uh, starting at about 8.15 tomorrow. Also tomorrow, as so many of us are... So anxious to know when we can visit Israel again. This might give us, might give us a little bit of hope. Ronnie Timzit tomorrow. He'll wish everybody a Chag Sameach. He's general manager, of course, at the Inbal Hotel. And he'll tell us some very good news about the Inbal Hotel reopening. And maybe, maybe that'll get us all a step closer to spending some time in the holy city of Jerusalem. I certainly hope so. It's all tomorrow right here at JM in the AM.
Volume number three, brand new. Pretty good, huh? Yeah, I would say so. Robbos is the name of that one. Wednesday morning, day 48 in the counting of the Omer. Tomorrow is the holiday of Shavuos. Two-day Yuntif for those of us outside of Israel. A one-day Yuntif plus one-day Shabbos for those in Israel. A golden opportunity to speak with your family if you're outside of Israel. A golden opportunity to speak with your family about heading to Israel. What do you mean, Nahum? Are there flights now to Israel? Are non-residents, non-citizens allowed to go? I don't mean that. I mean long-term. I mean, think about over this Yom Tov, over these two days, what life would be like in the Holy Land. And then do what thousands have done during COVID-19. Check out the website at nbn.org.il for our friends at Nefesh Benefesh, nbn.org.il. For some facts about the last few weeks, and with words of inspiration before the holiday of Shavuot, it is with great pleasure that we say good morning to the co-founder of Nefesh Benefesh, the amazing Rabbi Josh Yehoshua Fass. Rabbi Fass speaking to us from Jerusalem. Rabbi Fass, welcome back to JM in the AM. It is so, so good to be on again. And as you said, so good to be on the phone from Yushalayim. Usually the last few times we've been talking and I've been in my house, quarantine from Beit Shemesh, but uh, to be back in the office, has been really remarkable. I can imagine. You know, um, our chief of staff, uh, Rabbi Yigal Siegel, informed me that as of this coming Sunday, after Shavuot, after the Shavuot Shabbat weekend, this coming Sunday, basically, everything's going to be open. You'll, you'd be able to sit in a restaurant and things like that. Is is that the fact that, the, that a very, very high percentage of the country will literally be normal, so to speak, next week? It sounds like it. First of all, I would never... Uh rebut your brother's opinion. But uh, <laughs> yes, the news is is that Israel will be back online. Um, besides for social distancing and the requirements for wearing masks, um, yeah, it looks like restaurants are opening, um, facilities are opening, gyms are opening, stores are opening without any limitations whatsoever, which is unbelievable. Uh, how many people? Have, how many people have said to you, "Oh, I wish I would have made Aliyah years ago. I would have had s- such an easier time during this pandemic." <laughs> Anybody? Zero. Commu- <laughs> <laughs> Nobody communicated that message to you, huh? <laughs> no. <laughs> I'll tell you, it, it, it's been rough here, as you know. A quarter of the cases of death in this country are in New York City, yeah. and then you add New Jersey to it. You're talking about a tri-state area that has been hit. Very, very hard. This is obviously things that you know about, and you've been yeah. fo- you've been following very closely. And God knows how many family and friends you know that were in very difficult situations. So this is this is a really, really interesting period of time. In fact, New York at the end of this week, meaning the five boroughs, will be the only part of New York State not reopened yet. So as things are really accelerating in Israel, thank God, things are still in this immediate area crawling along and we're hoping for real reopening by the way can you shed any light on this uh on this um uh, issue of flying to israel because now we hear that el al in fact will be starting some flights on a daily basis new york to tel aviv and la to tel aviv do you do you know or have any confirmation about what's what the plan is over the next few weeks israel is opening up there uh, some line i mean el al is opening up some lines um and the Gurion airport is going to start reopening 
uh, the requirement still would be for anyone coming from North America would have to be in self-quarantine for two weeks. So that requirement is going to stand, but at least there will be access for individuals to come. Again, not that, first of all, it's not to open to everyone. It's open for Olim and it's open for Israeli citizens and open for individuals with specific visas. And as we continue through the summer, they'll start expanding the access to uh, the greater population. Right. I hear that. I mean, I know that there's a fear of letting people in from other countries, especially the New York area. I get all that. Uh, but you could imagine how anxious we are, and it's something you and I discussed last time you were on. You could imagine how anxious we are to get to the Holy Land. Forget Aliyah for a moment. Forget Aliyah for a moment. There are people who've been on the air with me over the last few weeks. And as I speak to them, it hits me, and I mention it on the air to them, that, that they typically you know, will wake up on a Monday morning and say, okay, tonight I'm flying to Israel, meaning literally they planned their trip for that evening, and they go for a couple of days and come back. And not having that active corridor for certain people, and again, you know, not, not that we're crying for them. I know certain people are, are like, you know, I wish I had the, the capital and the, and the ability and, yeah. ske- and schedule. I get that. We're not crying for it. But still, it is amazing how certain people who are used to just being in Israel on such a regular basis are now outside of Israel for the longest period of, of it could be the last 10 or 20 years. I think on the bigger picture, we talked about this last time we discussed, I think just to digest the fact that a given is not a given. For the last to how many years, this generation plus has been used to the given, the right, the availability of just getting on a plane and, and always being able to come to Israel. Yeah. Whether or not it's last minute, whether or not you've planned it six months ahead in advance. And just the fact that everything's been frozen and halted and closed has been a, a shocking uh, fact to digest. Unbelievable. And very sobering for some. Yeah, believe me, it's been sobering as right. Rabbi Josh Fass with us talking about Nefesh Benefesh. All right, so now that I set Aliyah aside for that comment, let's bring Aliyah back into the picture. A couple of weeks back, you were um, lauding the communities of the diaspora, rightfully so, uh, that they had responded to this, co- that many had responded to the COVID 19 crisis with, it, with increased interest in moving to Israel. Would you still say the same thing today? Um, and then some. <laughs> it's been uh, the trajectory of growth of Aliyah interest from the U.S. has been so outstanding that we have never seen anything like this in the last 20 years. Uh, I'll give you just some statistics, and we can and just ruminate over these statistics, and if you want to dissect it further, we can. But to give you a sense of the top months ever, the highest months of any month that we received applications has always been teetering between maybe 450 households or families submitted an application um, uh, in, in, in one incredible month. Okay. We're ending the May with close to 800 families who submitted an application. Double. <laughs> Unbelievable. I'll, I'll, I'll give you another sense, just to give you... Um, Let's say, uh, on an average day, 200 documents come into Nefesh's system, and they're reviewed and filed and connected to the case management, then passed on to the relevant governmental agencies. We are now hovering at close to 500 documents a day that are coming into our system. 
So your staff is not only back at work, they're working harder than ever. <laughs> oh, a, a thousand percent. I mean, um, we're, we're, we are nearing just our call center. To give you a sense of that, we have over 150 calls more coming in daily. I'll give you a sense. In May last year in 2019, we had 4,000 people who called into our hotline from May 1st to May 26th, right, in 2019. Apples to apples, May 1st to 26th in 2020, 10,650 phone calls came into our 1866 number. Wow. So is COVID a better mega event than the mega? <laughs> no, I think there are moments I think there are moments in history that allow individuals to take pause. Um, and I think this was almost externally forced upon us on humanity on just to take pause and to take stock yeah. of uh, and to reflect. I mean we've all taken these times, two, three months that we've uh, been home, been just with our family, been by ourselves, been with our thoughts and with our prayers, it's allowed us to really prioritize our lives. And I just hope that we take those lessons, and those lessons are longstanding. But we've learned a lot about ourselves over this time. Did anybody... And I think... I'm sorry. And I think people, and I think people are, 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 are adjusting their lives, whether or not on the smaller, uh, smaller values or greater values of where they want to raise families or where they want to be. And we're seeing that. Um, I was talking to someone in the government yesterday and said, oh, COVID's pushing people. I said, no, COVID's not a push. It's, it's a recalibration of, of just sense and self. In other, and, uh, in other words, it made us think, and when Jews think, they're going to think Israel. They're going to think of goals and values. We think family. We think Torah. Right. We think community. We think Israel. We're a very value-based, centric people, and and when we have time to pause, um, that's where we're going to gravitate. Rabbi Josh Fass is with us, founder of uh, of Nefesh Benefesh. You know, it, it, this may sound a little—I'm not sure how this is going to sound—but the the it, we we always talk about how so many of the best in the diaspora go to Israel. How we lose, how we lose, quote unquote. You know, some of our best people and community leaders and those who are religiously serious, and, and I'm, not, I'm not saying others aren't religiously serious. I'm just saying that very often the makeup of those who leave, they have a lot of the really good qualities that we're looking for in community members. Uh, I think communities uh, in these parts have to get used to the fact that some of their top members, some of the people that are real visionaries and dreamers, are going to realize that vision and dream and leave them very soon. Agreed, but I wouldn't take it to the point of uh, a damning condemnation of all those who stay back. We, no, of, course not. Uh, of the 4,000 people that make Aliyah um, every year from America, it's a tiny percentage. Um, they might have incredible values and leaders of our community, but there's a great percentage of individuals left within each of the communities that are people of value, of strength, of leadership that uh, I don't think we'll have communities bereft of, uh, well, of the, I, those, uh, those I, personalities. I agree with you, but I, I like to make the point that very often those who are making Aliyah have a, have a certain X factor to them that I think is very important. And, Compliments received. And, <laughs> yes, and I do appreciate your efforts 
to try to make sure I don't get down on myself. I appreciate your efforts. See, I'm to, trying to make the therapy session half informative. To, to, be there, to be there to prop up my ego so I don't feel that I'm not one of those that has that vision or dream and is, in fact, realizing that vision or that dream. That is why I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> we should talk more often. Rabbi Fass is with us, nbn.org.il. That's how you simply and easily uh, can get an application and start the whole process. It's nbn.org.il. There is a phone number. You heard him mention the call center. They do give tremendous advice, and they do have a um, wonderful staff that takes care of every single department of uh, Aliyah, and we'll talk about one of them in a moment. Uh, and all you got to do is call the number, 866-4-ALIYAH, 866-4-ALIYAH, and then A-L-I-Y-A-H. I don't remember if I pointed that, this out with you last time or not, um, I, I may have, but I think it bears repeating. Uh, you know, many are many who might consider Aliyah at this point are wondering how they could even think about uh, changing jobs, getting into a job market, which is obviously weakened. Every country's job market is weakened right now. Um, it, what would you say about those who are skeptical that a conversation with your employment counselors is worthwhile? Yeah, it's always worthwhile. First of all, industries are are coming back online. Um, just uh, and even this week and last week, we're seeing our job board light up again. People posting, really? people posting positions. It's it's incredible to see just anecdotally um, from the reflection of the job of the job board with the opening back of the economy um, and recalibration of the economy. So jobs are being starting again. People are returning back to life. And uh, it is an incredible place to develop one's career. It's a great place to live not, and, of course, to work here. And uh, I think also what we've learned through the coronavirus is that remote work has been extremely successful for many different fields. And that will be transferable here to Israel as well. I don't know if you're aware of this or not. I was only told this last night. Um, I, I was under the impression that most, if not all, students who were visiting visiting, who are studying in Israel this year, you know, the gap year, et cetera, seminaries, yeshivot, et cetera. I was under the impression they just all came back to the U.S., those from this area. And then last night, yeah. last night I was told that there are certain seminaries and yeshivot that literally have been taking care of 20, 30, whatever number of boys or girls uh, over the last couple of months. And, yeah, they became their quarantine home. Right. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, which is amazing. And I'm, and I'm wondering, you know, you always see people and I'll say this you know <laughs> a little bit a little bit exaggerated but you but you do often see uh, children of American parents walk into your office during their gap year and say okay I want to make Aliyah you know let's what do I do how do I go through this process I'm wondering if one of the reasons some of them stayed this year is because you know and didn't come back here I don't want to say home but didn't come back here during corona is because of that eventual goal. Do you have any idea if there's an uptick in lone students or lone soldiers who are now making Aliyah? So I'll give you an interesting statistic because we pride ourselves on these stats. In May last year, we had 140 18 to 21-year-olds apply just in the month of May. So this year we're at 250. Unbelievable. So you're seeing even it's across-the-board interest. It's not just an interest that is within a niche of retirees or young families. You're seeing it even in the student body. 
Uh, Rabbi Fass, I'm going to have to ask you to hold on a moment because I must deliver a message to the parents who are listening right now. Hey, parents of students who stayed in Israel who you thought were just quarantining or trying to get the most out of this experience and not leave the Holy Land, guess what? <laughs> You're about to get a message. Please, what trouble are you <laughs> may- putting me in? <laughs> guess what? You're going to get a message within hours, probably before the holiday begins, that they're planning on staying in the Holy Land. <laughs> there goes my pre-Yuntif Manucha. I'll be getting manning phone for all the worried parents from now on social You know, you know, you know, you know certain parents uh, here. You're you're friendly with many people on this side. Uh, it's very possible they're going to ask you to actually drive to the yeshiva or seminary and have a, a heart-to-heart talk with their kid. <laughs> I think the reference of uh, I'm friendly with many has been uh, now a historic reference to my relationship. <laughs> Uh, you heard that synagogues are beginning to open in this area? It's unbelievable. We we opened we, last Shabbat slowly, um, and we'll, we're having pocketed minyanim in our community as well throughout Chag. It's still tricky. It's a tricky um, concept. You know, how do we have the minyan? You know, your your the distancing. Your friend. Yeah, no, I shouldn't be interrupting you, but I'm just so anxious to speak to you. Uh, your friend and colleague, Rabbi Goldberg, down in Boca. He posted during the first Minion that it felt to him somewhat like Ne'ilah, which I thought was cool because, not not that it was the length or the concentration of Ne'ilah, I'm sure, but just saying that it was, you know, that, that high moment, that spiritual moment of being back in a Minion. It wasn't inside, of course, but but back in a Minion. Did you feel anything special the first time you davened with a Minion after all this? I'm in, I'm high risk. Oh, I've sorry. yet to be with a Minion. I apologize. Uh, it will be the first time. No, it's Okay. I made you feel bad for living in America. You can make me feel bad that I have health issues. Um, no, um, uh, my doctors have uh, very much clamped on it, clamped down on what I'm able to do or not. And I don't want to worry any of the listeners. I'm okay. Just had a bunch of uh, medical scares the last few years. But, uh, oh, Hashem, I am longing, longing, longing to be back with a minion. And I think you would, if, uh, if a ne'ila is a way to describe tears, Associated to prayer, then my fertila will will uh, is a good comparison to me as well. So I look forward to being able to get that green light from uh, medical professionals, so I can join the world. I've been in for the two months that I was in the house. It was really a lockdown, and no one coming in, and very very limited who's going out from our family. So it was it was a challenge. Yeah, that, the it, first it, week. That's the first week that I'm back. In Yushalayim in the office, which uh, and it's very challenging as it is of how I can meet with people, you know, and uh, the distancing. It's uh, but it's it's a remarkable thing just to, to get out of your house. Right in that way, your yours and mine, my quarantine are somewhat similar. Do you have any clue if that clearance will come in the next week or two? Or at this point, you have no idea. I'm hoping. I'm hoping. You I got, think so. Make sure to contact me. I want a photo of you with the first minion. Yes, I hope it's not Shabbos. Um, no, but, but there's a fear, the same fear here, the same fear within America. Right. How fast are we opening the elucidating uh, regulations? Are they medically prompted or are they politically prompted or economically prompted? Right. And hoping that, you know, how long do we wait after the loosening of restrictions to realize whether or not it's behind us or, God forbid, we open too soon? So I have a few more days until that last period to be able to 
and it's funny and it's funny because, because what led to my question likely was because as we sit here to us it seems like you know israel's just opening up so quickly like you know everything's just totally back to normal i forget that obviously for some people and for certain communities it's going to be uh, somewhat slower and uh i look forward to to the first minion i go to here it's possible it's going to take place either tomorrow night or or Thursday morning for the holiday of Shavuot. But honestly, we don't even have a, because of all the machinations now necessary to register for and evaluate the type of minion it's going to be and who will be there and under what circumstances, you know, until the last minute tomorrow night, we probably will not even know, um, you know, definitively. So someone asked me if I'm willing to join a Vasekin minion, which here I think would start about 5 a.m. Rabbi Fast, would you like to guess what my response was to that? I'm up already. It's my afternoon. <laughs> I did tell them that if there's one member of the Seagull home that would do it, it would be me, but they cannot count on anybody else, that's for sure. But we'll see what happens. Uh, Rabbi Fast reminds everybody, as do I, that this, the holiday of Shavuot, and we'll get a final message about the holiday in a moment from the rabbi. This, the holiday of Shavuot, is a perfect opportunity over these two days in the diaspora. Uh, to discuss with our families and mull over the prospect of moving to Israel. It could be, uh, let's see, Jerusalem. It could be Tel Aviv. It could be Haifa. It could be Arad. It could be Eilat. Rabbi Fass is looking into whether there's an Ashkenazic minion in Eilat for me or not when I, uh, please God, move down there. Uh, it, could, it could be... I heard the what do you have you well you haven't been there obviously because nobody's traveling but somebody uh, um, took a video for me at the Kinneret. First of all, the water level is amazing, just just amazing, and you could yeah. and you could stand at the edge and see schools and schools of fish. That's how deep the water is at this moment up there. How, how what a, what a tremendous blessing for Israel and the Jewish world. Remarkable. Uh, I gotta go to Kinneret. Yeah, so I'm thinking of the Kinneret. I also hear some nice restaurants up there, and, you know, that's important. I also ha- mm-hmm. I have a cousin in Chatzor. If I move up there, you'll probably never see me, Rabbi Fass, because it would take— No, it would you'll take, meet halfway. See, a lot, I know you would want to come down and spend the weekend during the summer, so I'd actually see you. But, yeah, uh, so we can melt as but, we visit you on Shabbat. But up in, up in Chatzor, it might be a completely different story. I don't know if you'd make the journey. Uh, let's see, <laughs> Kiryat Malachi, thinking of that one. You know what I was thinking of the other day? You know what I really enjoyed when I drove through, just looked beautiful? Herzliya. Have you been to Herzliya? Herzliya is beautiful. Isn't it a beautiful city? Just when you drive, and I never spent any real time there, but as you drive through, it's just such a lovely place. So that's on my... You know, for those who wake up in the morning and say, I'm going to jump to Israel tonight... They probably moved to Herzliya. <laughs> that's where they are, huh? In, a, in other words, you're ba- you're basically saying, Siegel, that's out of your price range. Go back to Arad. Is that what you're saying? But, but, but gently, of course, more. Yeah. <laughs> what would the what would the uh, one family home in Arad be right now? You have any idea what the real estate prices are? They probably give it to you for free. <laughs> now, that's um, a, now that's a deal. That's a deal. And knowing the people right? at Nefesh, you might be able to facilitate that for us. Incentivization. How many hours? I know you're in a rush, but give me another minute. How no, how, okay. how many hours to drive from where you are right now to Arad? Um, more, more than two? No, an hour and 40 minutes, I would say. So it's not so crazy. I mean, the way I drive, an hour and 20 minutes, but an hour and 45. So it's like from here to the Homewack. It's not a big deal. That's a, that's a good yeah. drive. 
Home away. <laughs> you like uh, that, huh? That's a when, memory. Whenever it, is uh, a, whenever it is a reference to 140 or 145 traveling, I always say here at Home away because <laughs> every time we went, we tied it, and it was always 140. I love it. <laughs> is that great? <laughs> okay, Rabbi Fast, your final message as we are about to commemorate the giving of the Torah. And I wish people realized as we were standing at Sinai, and I do remind everybody we were standing at Sinai. I wish everybody would remember that we were standing at Sinai. There was a goal, and it wasn't just only the goal, not to use the word only in a derogatory fashion. It wasn't only the goal of, of being the Kabel, the Torah, but that was the beginning of the process to eventually settle in Eretz Yisrael. Rabbi Fast, with that in mind, any special message as we enter the holiday of Shavuot? Just a pause for a moment before we go into the message for Shavuot. Last night, because it was hot off the press, last night we had a strategic conference Zoom call yeah. with the heads of El Al oh. to start planning the entire summer of group flights to accommodate this incredible wave of Aliyah. Whoa. And hopefully, Wait a please God, a week after Shavuot, we'll be announcing a whole intense flight schedule. Now you be d- a little different than in the past whoa, whoa, because whoa. of all these you- airport traveling regulations. But it's going to be exciting nonetheless. All right, now one second. My heart is skipping a beat here. And what? Be, and, and be careful with the <laughs> with the with the uh, high risk we just described. I have to be careful. Yeah. Uh, you, you just used the word group flights because I'm saying to myself that there's no way one charter flight would be enough for a summer like this with the interest you're having. Have they even addressed? the issue of charter flights, or when you say group flights, between 50 and 100 people will be making Aliyah together at different times during the summer. 50 to 100 individuals will be making Aliyah at one time or the other. We are hopefully going to be booking around 16 <gasps> group flights over the summer. Will you be on any of them? I have no idea. Let me get to Minion first. <laughs> Get to me, get to me, and start praying. My house and say hello to more than one person. Get to me and start praying. Let alone, flights. let alone get to the airport. Sixty Before seconds. Sixty seconds for a shrewish message. Go ahead. We often, I mean, we, we so focus on Chag Matan Torah, which is uh, obviously the main predominant theme of Chag, but it's also Mishnah Bikurim. It's also Chag Bikurim. Right. It's the beginning of the time period that we can bring up Bikurim, our first fruits, Yerushalayim. And the amazing thing is that when we come and give our Bikurim, we also say this vidu, we say this, uh, not a confession, but a declaration. And the declaration is, You're saying, I, today, I came to Israel, and this is my first fruits, and, and an extension of a bunch of other psukim. And everyone asks, what do you mean? You could be a fifth-generation Israeli, and you're bringing your Bikurim, and you're saying, Today is a declaration of today. And I think there's a sense of newness. When we are living at certain times, there is, it doesn't make a difference if it happened in 48 or happened in 67 or 73. Um, when you're living in a parak that in a chapter in time that's miraculous, Every day feels new. Every day feels miraculous. Every day you want to pinch yourself and say, Oh my gosh, you got the Hayom Lashem Lokecha. I have a chance today to wake up in the morning and live in this miracle. So, as much as we are focused on Chag Matan Torah and we're learning all night and spending our time and recommitting ourselves to learning and being Kovei the Torah and spending times and fixing our times of learning every day, but we should also remember that it's Chag Bikurim. 
Chag Bikurim is also a sense of wonder of the miracles that we have and connecting to our ancestral homeland and pinching ourselves of saying, oh my gosh, today I'm here and I can celebrate and I can live in this incredible miracle. Absolutely brilliant. And by the way, people are reacting to this conversation as you would expect. Uh, one person says COVID-19 has made people rethink priorities for many aliyah rises to the top. One says, Nahum, come to Beit Shemesh, not Ramat Beit Shemesh. I'll take that to heart as I look into my home in Arad. And then, and then finally, Rabbi Fast, look at the Nachas I get to end this conversation with. Listener Tina says, my son Yehuda Besner made Aliyah on Israel Day weeks after he was drafted via Hezder Yeshivat Hakotel. I am so proud, unbelievable. He has everything to be proud of. That is oh, for sure. Up. I wish I was spending Shavuot with you in Israel, but I'll make the best of being with my family over here at my fest. Send my love to everyone. I please. certainly will. There he is, the one, the only. Rabbi Josh Yeshua Fast, don't criticize me for not doing the uh, the intro, everybody. <laughs> I know last time I said he would have his intro, making Aliyah today from Schlockrock. Now I'll say, uh, hopefully next time, please God. Our brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at NachumSiegel.com and the NachumSiegel Network, and of course on the beloved NSN app. Hey, everybody out there, if you have not yet supported our 2020 fundraiser, I am begging you. I am begging you. After a show like today, I always say you never know what's going to happen next at JM and the AM. After a show like today, speaking about Jewish not-for-profits with Stan and speaking about the OU's incredible program with the OU.org slash Sinai and speaking to Rabbi Fass and his words, every word is inspiring for the last half hour. Every word was was friendly, joking, serious, and inspiring in the last half hour. Please give what you can and keep us going. 2020 fundraiser, fjbunity.org. Read the letter that's up there about the last couple of months. fjbunity.org, and I thank you very, very much. Have a fabulous Wednesday. Till tomorrow, Malcolm Siegel reminding you, remember the past, live the present, and trust the future.